Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast, presented by Canon Press. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 282. My name is Douglas Wilson. What's your name? So whoever you are, you are welcome. Whoever you are, I'm glad you decided to join us. So I want to, uh, here's what I want to talk about this time around. I want to talk a little bit about the Idaho Family Policy Center. I want to talk a little bit about uh, OBGYNs moving to Idaho. And I want to talk about other people moving to Idaho, or thinking about red states. And I'm going to start with the uh, last thing first. Uh, we are very grateful. Um, believers are very grateful for the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade, which returned the issue of abortion to the states. Okay, that's so far so good. Three cheers. And that means that instead of one big battle at the federal level, we have 50 small battles. The thing I want to talk about today is that those 50 battles are, are by no means assured, even if you are in the reddest of red states, okay? even if you're in the reddest of red states. Uh, what, what do I mean? Well, uh, one of the things that we have to come to grips with is that the progressive left has a lot of billionaires. The progressive left has a lot of deep pockets. And the right has some people who are willing to support causes and stuff. But when it comes to money, when it comes to being able to donate to particular causes, uh, the progressive left has money, money, money. And what is going to happen is they are going to flood red states on particular ballot measures. So, so for example, uh, in Idaho, uh, Idaho is one of the redder of the red states. Idaho is one of the redder of the red states. But we've got squishy Republicans here, just like everywhere. And uh, many of these Republicans have gone soft because the issues have been national for so long. So what, what's happened is Dobbs kicked everything back to the states. And uh, it was easy in a red state like Idaho for someone to run for the state legislature proudly proclaiming that he's pro-life. I stand for the unborn. And the reason he was able to stand for the unborn is that he didn't have to stand for the unborn. He could stand for the unborn because he would never have to fight for the unborn. But now that the issue is actually a live issue in a state like ours, in Idaho, that means that the billionaire leftists can donate buku bucks to certain legislative races. So we've had a series of victories. We just, Idaho just had um, some, vi we, we've had the victory in a heartbeat, uh, a heartbeat law on abortion. We've had a victory on um, the banning of tranny surgery or hormone blockers and that sort of thing on minor children. So we've had some legislative vic victories and the people of Idaho have applied the, the right amount of pressure to our governor Brad Little, such that he signed these bills. And with one of them, he said, I'm, I'm going to evaluate whether or not I'm going to sign based on what sort of uh, 
feedback I get. Well, we are in a position where it would be the easiest thing in the world for uh, San Francisco moneyed, uh, leftist moneyed interests to donate to particular races in Idaho, legislative races, and to flood it with money, the kind of money that places like where, where we are just don't usually see. So it's going to be possible for money from the left to turn red states into purple battlegrounds when the demographics on the ground are making the states redder and redder. Does that make sense? So the, there is a great resort going on, and people are moving all over the country. Just look at the U-Haul rate. <laughs> look up what it would cost you to rent a U-Haul to go from Portland to Boise, and then look up what it would cost you to go from Boise to Portland, right? So there are all kinds of conservative types abandoning California and abandoning other blue states. But what's happening is blue money is chasing them. Blue money is chasing them. So what we need, I would welcome anybody who wants to pull up stakes and leave Illinois and come to Idaho, anybody who wants to leave California and come to Idaho, anybody who wants to leave Massachusetts and come to Idaho or New York, come to Idaho. Please, please, please do. But do not come as though Idaho is an automatically safe refuge where there will be no fight. No, I think there is going to, I think uh, some of the fiercest fighting on cultural, social issues will be in red states that are sort of surprising. So that that's this is what explains um, the failure of a oh I forget which bill it was in, it was in Kansas but there was a there was a uh, a bill in Kansas that was defeated uh, in a way that surprised everybody and why is it well because in in the modern era money drives elections money has to do with airtime money has to do with name recognition. Money has to do with all sorts of things where people who have regular, ordinary red state lives, they don't eat, sleep, drink politics all the time uh, the way the left does. They have regular jobs. They have regular things they have to attend to. And so what happens is they get their shirts pulled over their heads. So I would encourage OBGYNs to move to Idaho so that you can be a pro-life medical doctor. And that it's not a pro-life medical doctor who's going to be left alone. It's a pro-life medical doctor who's going to be asked to testify before the state legislature, uh, because there are a lot of people who are a lot of people who are pro-life in the medical profession, but they they know that the other side plays dirty, and they know that they go in for personal ruination, and uh, we need people who are ready for the battle, ready for the fight, and ready to make a difference. So if you think that your state is uh, a lost cause, at least for the time being, we think post-millennially, it's not a lost cause 200 years from now. But let's say it's a lost cause while your children are growing up, and you don't want your children to grow up there. Washington State, another blue state right next door to us here, just passed a measure 
that allowed children to be taken from their parents if their parents objected to their gender dysphoria. If the parents were getting in the way of them transitioning to some other gender, the children can be confiscated. The children can be taken away. If you live in a place like that and you want to not live in a place like that, then absolutely come to a place like Idaho. But this is not a place with no conflict. This is a place where the uh, the issues are going to be joined, and I think are going to be joined in a pretty fierce way. And I'm expe- I'm expecting a lot of outside money to pour into Idaho in our next in the over the next several legislative sessions. Now, I, I mentioned the Idaho Family Policy Center, which I want to mention again. You've heard a number of good stories coming out of Idaho over the last two years. And I'll, I'll put it this way. If you hear of a really happy legislative victory that comes out of Idaho, and you heard about it in the last two years, then almost certainly the Idaho Family Policy Center was in the thick of it. They are doing really good work, really valuable work. If you want, to, if you want a strategic place to put your dollars, if you want to be involved in the in the cultural battle and you want to help out, this would be a great organization to uh, to help out. Idaho Family Policy Center. Uh, they're online. Look them up and, and uh, support them. Feel free. I'm I'm uh, an avid supporter of their work. Always will be God. So, continuing with the podcast, episode two eighty two. In our study of the various words for sin in the New Testament, which we are calling hamartiology, we have come to one of those, one of those sins, which is very popular in conservative Christian churches. The word is eretheia, which refers to strife. Now, in believing churches, there are a number of sins which are not openly practiced, porn use, dealing meth, carrying on multiple adulterous affairs, and so on. But there are some sins flatly prohibited in the scriptures just like adultery is flatly prohibited, but which conservative Christians feel at perfect liberty to engage in. Strife is one of those sins. Paul was afraid that he would find some of that in Corinth when he came there. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 20. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. This sin keeps bad company, and it's found listed among the works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh, Paul says in Galatians 5, are manifest. The works of the flesh are manifest. Idolatry, and included in their number would be idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, there's our word, strife, seditions, heresies. And Paul tags this sin twice in the book of Philippians, although our translators use two different English words for it, those being strife and contention. In Philippians 2.3, he says, Let nothing, how many things? Nothing. Let no thing. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So Paul says nothing, nothing should be done through strife. And then in Philippians 1, Verse 16, the one he's talking about, Paul's talking about the men who were preaching the gospel in order to make it a little hotter for Paul, who had been arrested. 
He says, the one preached Christ of contention, and the word contention there, uh, the word underneath it, is our word for strife. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. James takes a dim view of it also. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So this is mentioned twice. It's in verse 14 and verse 16. If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, that's bad. And for where envying and strife is, that's bad also. And then there's the rejection of this attitude in Romans, in Romans 2.8. But unto them that are contentious, there it is, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. God don't never change He's God. So my book review uh, this time around is No Apologies by Anthony Esselin. I'm not done with this. I'm, I just um, began it. But I, Esalen is, is just a wonderful writer. I love, I love how he writes. He's just really good. And uh, this book, No Apologies, what is it that he's not apologizing for? Well, he's not apologizing for masculine strength, masculine strength. And he's not just talking about uh, this in the abstract. He's encouraging you to look around at the world and see that virtually everything that you are enjoying was put there by men. <laughs> uh, suspension bridges, the mines that got the, the minerals. The, you know, let's, let's say you go and buy a bronze uh, bowl from Pottery Barn or something to put on your mantelpiece. Well, some guy dug that out of the ground. Uh, that, that kind of thing, that kind of risk-taking, that kind of masculine initiative is the is the foundation the earthly speaking in earthly terms is the foundation for all the value that we see around us now he's not he's not disparaging women at all he's simply pointing out that men are made for one thing and women are made for another thing and they are not the same thing and and if we insist on pretending that they're the same thing what we're going to do is find ourselves in uh, hopeless contradictions, and we're going to basically wind up wrecking this good thing that we've got. He points out, uh, for example, that women athletes, runners in track, are a competent high school boys team can beat women, women's Olympian track runners. And, and this is not the problem is those who, who make it a competition between men and women and who then pretend that the women are winning it, the competition. And what Esalen is objecting to is the lie involved. And he says, essentially, that the lie is going to be a potent lie in the ears of little boys. So he, he says that grown men can figure out how to defend themselves and how to dismiss the lie how to not allow themselves to be, um, you know, seduced by it. But if you're a little boy, second grade boy, and you're sitting through all sorts of uh, lectures in the government school system, and you're learning that masculinity is toxic, uh, you are going to be messed up. It's, it's going to have a real impact on boys. And why would you disparage 
people like that. God made boys to be one way God and to go one way. God made girls to go in another direction to do something different, to exhibit a different kind of glory. So men have one kind of glory. Women have another kind of glory. And Anthony Esselin exalts in that difference between men and women. He says, we should be proud of our women for what they do. We should be proud of our men for what they do. And we should not pretend that they can do either way equally successfully. So, No Apologies by Anthony Eslin.